and we the fans. I am Joe Hunk, and you can obviously follow me on Twitter everywhere at Joe Hunk. You can also make sure that you follow us on KCPN at any point in time that you want to throw out and give us a like, give us a share, give us a follow. Every single thing that you possibly can do when it comes to that, we absolutely appreciate it. We're getting everything kind of set up, making sure our chat is uh, good to go, and we are set. Now, there are some uh, developing news stories. I won't try to sound all official. Uh, that is happening right now. Sam Pittman, who we were going to talk about here in just a little bit, uh, just got some COVID news as he has tested positive for COVID-19. And he is now at his house and he is going to be doing everything from there. He has tested again earlier today. Um, he, but those test results have not come back in yet. Now, if you are and have been following around the SEC, you know, that Nick Saban had uh, went through this when it came time for the Georgia game. Um, and then after his positive test, he failed uh, three tests, or they came back negative. It's really weird to say failed a test. But he had three tests come back after that that were negative, and that was going, and that allowed him to coach against the Georgia Bulldogs a few weeks ago. Now, if Sam Pittman uh, has the exact same thing, then he's going to be on the field uh, coming up this week. And now Sam Pittman is one that we're absolutely going to be talking about throughout the day, mainly uh, because of what Arkansas did to uh, Tennessee earlier uh, on Saturday. And then the fact that Arkansas has a big game coming up on Saturday where they are going to be heading to Gainesville to play the or, or the Florida Gators. But let's start with O'Florida, shall we? Because for a few weeks, we have hopped on this. And now look, the great thing about We The Fans, WTF, whichever you want to go with when it comes to us talking every single Monday, you can throw your comments in. You can put your comments right there. They'll pop up on the chat. We'll be talking about those. We're obviously going to be asking questions throughout this as well. Honestly... We could possibly do some phones if <laughs> if you wanted to do that as well. Uh, just go and follow me on Skype, uh, johunk at gmail.com. That's where you can hop in. I believe my Skype is up, and, uh, and we could possibly try to do that as well if you want to hop in on that and you want to try to give me a holla and get on the phone lines as well. So that is going. Gracie's already hopped in talking about Big 12 basketball. See, here's what's weird is we have basketball schedules that have already came out for the SEC, but you know everything for, for the SEC isn't going on for another couple of weeks, probably mainly in December. What's crazy for me personally is I have high school basketball tomorrow night. Matter of fact, once we wrap up here today, I'm heading out uh, to a high school in uh, North Alabama called Austin High School, uh, which is where I do play-by-play -play for football as well as basketball for those guys. And we're getting ready for basketball because they play tomorrow night. And the basketball season's kind of already started. So it's really weird seeing how basketball seasons are going to be going and how all of this is. Look, I'll be honest. I didn't really expect us to be getting to the point where we were going to be in college basketball season and this all wouldn't be fixed 
depending on what news site you want to listen to. Apparently, there is now a vaccine that's coming back with uh, 90% uh, ratings as far as how well it is working. So we we may be getting towards the end of this and all this crap is going to be past us. I call it crap because honestly, look, we, we're going to talk about Florida in a second, but if, but we all watch Notre Dame and Clemson, okay? And I don't know how you feel about it. You could throw it on the chat. Give us a call. I say give me a call like we're going to be all official and stuff. Give me a call on Skype. At johonk at gmail.com. Just find me, look me up, and let's let's talk a little bit. But the fans rushing the field, Trevor Lawrence being on the sidelines, uh, all of that, like, guys, we just got to get on the same page. Honestly, and again, I'm, I'm going to be guilty of this, and you can get pissed off at me for all you want and everything, but if we were to open things up, let's just go with that, for instance. If we were to go boom. Everything back to normal. You can sit wherever you want to. You you can hug up on each other if all you want to. If we want to do all of that, okay, and you are somebody that's of high risk, diabetes, older age that has health-related issues, all of that, and you still choose to go out and do stuff like this, like that's not my fault. And that's the way that I look at this is is – you know, because you look at what's happening now, and now we're starting to hear of, of more COVID testing and positive testing and all this that are that are popping up. But look at what happened Saturday night. Like I, that stadium was filled up with a ton of co- tons of college students, and the moment that game was over with, they rushed the field. And Notre Dame knew they were going to rush the field. Like, everybody knew they were going to rush the field. Brian Kelly even said it before the game. Hey, if you guys uh, beat Clemson tonight, just be aware. Uh, they're probably going to storm the field. So here's our, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're telling you to do. Make sure that you get out. Make sure that you shake your hands, do everything you need to. Let's get out so that we won't go into to protocol. Now, if we come back here in the next two or three days and there's like 15 Notre Dame players that have positive COVID tests, you know, that come back and they're all in protocol now. Okay. We may have ourselves an issue, but Trevor Lawrence was sitting over there with his mask on until he wanted to talk to somebody, and then he would take it down when he leaned in. Like, how is that helping anybody? Okay, but Notre Dame, they have totally thrown a wrench into 2020. Like, every single time we think 2020 can't be crazy, it just gets a little bit weirder and a little bit crazier and all that. Like, look at the presidential election. That should have been over in, in in mere hours, and instead it went days and days and days. And it, depending on what court system they're going to want to try, it could be continuing to go on, even though we already know who's won. But why could it not be Notre Dame that totally throws a wrench into everybody's college football playoff plans? See, we the fans are supposed to be dedicated towards the SEC. And I don't know if you know this or not. But sometimes in the SEC, there's a bit of an ego problem, just a small one, okay? The SEC wants to think that they're better than everybody else. Sue, we appreciate you hopping on. And they want to think they're better than everybody else. So the idea is if there's ever going to be two college football teams that make it into the college football playoff from the same conference, it was going to be the SEC. See Georgia, see Alabama, see a couple years ago. Notre Dame just threw the biggest wrench into everybody's plans because, okay, 
Nobody really believes that somebody from the Big 12, Oklahoma State, is going to be the the team that makes it into the college ball playoff. Okay? By the way, Pac-12 started. Do you know? No, nobody does. So the Pac-12 starts this past weekend. Best thing that they've done is have 11 a.m. kicks. I don't know if you watched it. I was glued to 11 a.m. Pac-12 football. Arizona State, USC. Give me more of that. Because, okay, if you're watching right now, KCPN, whether you're watching on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, all those, okay, what's the biggest thing that you hate or the, one of the most annoying things that you hate when it comes to watching football or watching basketball or watching baseball? It's the 9 p.m., 9.30, or if you're on the East Coast watching this, that 10 o'clock, 10.30 kickoff, first pitch, tip-off, whatever it is. Because you're, you're just like, how am I supposed to make it through this? Like, there are a ton of Lakers fans across the country. But unless you live in Mountain West time or Mountain Time or you live in the West, you know, Pacific Time, you're never really going to get to watch much Laker basketball. You may get through the first half, but that's pretty much it. Now, the Big 12, who's complained about start times for decades, okay, and, and it's become bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more and more as we continue to go, they have constantly complained, and now they're trying this 9 a.m. Pacific kickoff. Players are like going to the football stadium when it's dark to get ready for a football game. If this works... And more people are watching Pac-12 football. It's not going to get you in the college football playoff because you have to be good to be in there. But at least more people are watching you. Can that not have a ripple down effect for every other sport? Like how great would it be if your, say, Super Bowl kickoff. Super Bowl kicks off around five, so that's a bad example. But if you're talking about your NBA Finals, your your World Series, all these these games that are supposed to start at seven or seven thirty, and you're up until eleven o'clock or midnight watching them, what if this this Pac-12 experiment to move their games up now helps everybody to move their games up? That's better for everybody. I don't know about you. I hate trying to watch a football game that I'm actually interested in and it not starting or it not ending until 10, 10 30. Look at what happened like last night, for instance. Okay. You have bucks and you have saints. If that is a good football game, kickoff was around seven, seven 30. If that's a good football game, we're all struggling to stay up until 11 o'clock. Luckily it was a blowout. I went and, and continued to watch big brother. Although it's over with, do not spoil it, okay? I know who the final three are. I'm in the next to last episode. Actually, no, I'm on finale night. Just hadn't finished it because it's a two-hour special, so don't ruin it for me. But that would have a ripple-down effect that's so much better. No more 8 p.m. kicks. No more 9 p.m. kicks. Think about everything actually moving up. If the Pac-12's experiment works, that's all they're good for. They're not going to be in the college football playoff. I mean, do you think they're going to be in the college football playoff? Is Oregon? Eh. I mean, USC was fun to watch just because it was on at 11 a.m., but they're really not that great of a football team. I mean, we really don't have anything in the Pac-12. Now, if you start getting towards the Big 12 basketball, 
Oklahoma State's good. It may only lose the one game that it lost earlier this year to Texas. It may only lose that. But what if Notre Dame wins out and goes into the ACC championship game and loses to Clemson? Clemson's your ACC champ. Notre Dame only has one loss, but it's Notre Dame. And you still have possibly an undefeated Ohio State team, maybe an undefeated Alabama team, and maybe even an undefeated BYU or Cincinnati. What do you do? That's where them beating Clemson has thrown a total wrench into this entire football season. And it's so fun because Florida doing what they did to Georgia. Oh, God, it was so beautiful. Did you love watching that? I absolutely loved it. Like I did. I loved watching Kyle Trask and Florida operate. Look, there was a series, okay? There was one series between Florida and Georgia that truly, and I mean truly, summarized the entire game and the reason why Florida is different than Georgia. And it was, I want to say it was in the second quarter, okay? And that was when you got the... That's when you got the the personal foul on Kyle Pitts. Well, it wasn't on Kyle Pitts, but it was the it was the targeting penalty. Okay, so the game at that point in time was tied at twenty one, and Florida has the football. You get the inter- the the targeting penalty. Kyle Pitts goes back goes to the sidelines. Georgia's player gets kicked out, which I don't even think he knew where he was because he went into concussion protocol. And then Georgia has the pass to gamble on a will route touchdown Kyle Trask. That was his fourth touchdown of the game. Okay. Or our third touchdown pass of the game. This is where, this is where Florida is different than Georgia. That very next series, the very next one, Stetson Bennett had a wide open tight end going right up the middle of the field, and he overthrew him. Georgia ends up having to punt. Florida then comes back down. They kick a field goal, and then it's then 31-21, to and then basically this ball game is over. That minute, two minutes, three minutes of that football game, that was it. That's the difference between Florida and everybody else outside of Alabama. Because when Kyle Pitts, which was Florida's best wide receiver, got hurt, Florida didn't panic. Kyle Trask didn't go into a shell. They didn't start handing the football off just so that they could get down and not get hurt or anything like that. But what they did is another man stepped up and gambled. For Georgia, you don't have that. Like, you just don't. Who is stepping up on Georgia's offense that is going to... Zamir White can do everything that he can do, but he can't do it all on his own. Stetson Bennett is a good quarterback. He is a very good quarterback. But there's a difference between good and elite. And there's a 
big difference. And it's not just talent. Like people want to say, oh, well, obviously he's talented. It's work ethic. It's, it's, it's everything that you do off the field. As bad as it sucks, it's practice. Like it's how everybody else works out. That's a difference. That's the difference between Georgia and the reason why Florida now is the number one team in the SEC East. It's going to be very, very hard for me to find some Georgia way or some way for Georgia to get into the SEC championship. It just is. I'm not going to say Florida can beat Alabama. I'm not going to say that Alabama is going to destroy Florida. I'm not going to say any of those things because we still have about three or four weeks left of the regular season to kind of figure out that. But Georgia's good. I mean, Florida's good. Florida is a very good team. Kyle Trask is a Heisman candidate. Not saying he's the Heisman winner, so I don't want Bama fans to freak out whenever you know something is, is positive towards him that they want to think is negative towards everybody else. He is very, very good. He's going to be in the Heisman conversation. He's going to be in New York City. And honestly, to be him, probably Mac Jones, Justin Fields out of Ohio State, I want to still think that Trevor Lawrence is going to get an invite, but I don't think he's going to have a real opportunity at win it, at winning it. All right, so we have breaking news right now. And this is not being dramatic. This is breaking news. Alabama has just said that Trey Saunders is out indefinitely after injuries that he just had in a car accident near his home in Florida. Alabama had a bye week last week. Players were obviously allowed to go home. He got into it to a car accident. So that is extremely important. Now, is he the best running back in the SEC? No, he's not the best running back in the SEC. But he is a tremendous changeup to Najee Harris between him and Brian Robinson Brian Robinson's been taking majority of the carries away from our when Najee Harris has been out of the game, but Trey Sanders has been the one that's kind of been also getting some reps depending on what's happening. So that kind of big news. He's the third string running back, but in the SEC or in college football, being the third string means you're going to get playing time. And so he's a five-star. He's out of IMG Academy. And so that's big news. That just came out uh, just a few seconds ago. So hope Trey Sanders is going to be okay. Obviously, Coach Saban's going to have a press conference uh, today. He's probably going to have another one on Wednesday. Obviously, he also has Hey Coach on Thursday. So plenty of opportunities for him to update everybody on what's going on with, with Trey going into LSU week. Before, though, and that, that's the other breaking news. We had two breaking news stories so far uh, today. The first one was that Sam Pittman, the head coach of Arkansas, is now uh, under COVID-19 and going through COVID-19 protocols because of the fact that he has tested positive. He tested again today. No words on if that test came back positive either. They're supposed to be playing Florida this weekend. Alabama, you know it. They've got LSU. So... That's why a lot of this is going to be big news outside and throughout the SEC. But with Arkansas, I I wonder, and I have wondered this for a while, and I'm not saying this just because Sam Pittman beat Jeremy Pruitt, but we're kind of in this age right now of college football where you're going to want to go for the sexy name. 
the Lane Kiffins, the the Mike Leeches, those types of names are the sexy names that, that can bring some notoriety and and bring some interest to your university. Sam Pittman wasn't one of those guys. Now Arkansas loves Sam Pittman because if you remember just a few years ago when Arkansas had those lines of like three and four different players that were over 300 pounds and they were these hogs, they called them the Arkansas Hogs offensive line. He was the one coaching these guys. So so when Pittman got them back and came back on campus, it was because everybody loved him so much. Why are more universities not going for the Sam Pittman type? And what I mean is these great coaches that may not be your marquee names, but are very good at their jobs. Okay. Coach O is kind of like in, in that example. Okay. People outside of Arkansas or, or out, even outside of Arkansas, people outside of LSU said, you are crazy LSU for taking Coach O. He may be good for a year. He may be good for two years, but at some point in time, there's going to be a drop off. But people forget there is a book that is currently out and was written about Coach O and his recruiting when he was at Ole Miss. It's called Meat, Mac, Meat Factory. It's by Bruce Feldman. It was very, very well written. There's actually a sequel to that that Bruce has done once again with Coach O, now this time at LSU, and so you can kind of see how he's grown as a coach. But why are more people and more universities not going for your Sam Pittmans, your Ed Ogerons. Like, maybe it's because they're offensive line guys and they're not sexy. Maybe it's because, you know, Vanderbilt tried that with Derek Mason. And even though he was a great defensive coordinator, he really hasn't had it. First off, don't ever, 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 ever complain about Derek Mason at Vanderbilt because Derek Mason coaching at Vanderbilt is like us going to war with just pistols. Like, it's nowhere close to a fair fight at all because they have no facilities at Vanderbilt. They don't care about adding facilities. Like, they had to put out a press release last year saying, hey, guys, look, I guess... We're going to get more involved in this college football race of of arms race, if that's what you want to call it. Like, they basically just said, we don't want to do this, but it's it's only fair. And they have one of the best pro- baseball programs in the country. But basketball has struggled. Football has definitely struggled. And they just don't have the facilities if you get a five-star to walk into your campus, do you think that they're really going to be more interested in the fact that they can have a good education or are they going to be more interested in the fact that they get brand new weights every other year because these other schools are, are building these football-only facilities? Like I've been on campus at Vanderbilt. It's a gorgeous stadium. It's a gorgeous city. If I was a football player for the city alone, I would think about Nashville. 
but the football program, they could care less about it. Like when you look at your, your SEC, when we actually have a spring game, when you look at your SEC spring game numbers, it's Alabama's up here, Florida, Auburn, Georgia. And down here at the bottom, it's like, hey, by the way, Georgia had 65 people. Yay. We don't care about football at all. We'll take the fact that we have the best baseball program in the country. That's it. But Derek Mason's a horrible example because Derek Mason can go somewhere else and he can be successful and he probably will be. But why not go for more Sam Pittman's? Why not go for this guy that has this heart that has a bunch of crappy high school two-star players playing great? I mean, yes, they were down 13 to nothing at Tennessee or against Tennessee last week. You know what they did? They made some adjustments and they came down and shut Tennessee down. Tennessee was actually running the ball very well. And then they they stopped and Arkansas started lighting them up and Felipe Franks had a tremendous touchdown pass. And, and Arkansas is a much better team than I think a lot of us want to give them credit for. I don't understand why we don't have more Sam Pittmans in this world coaching. It really surprises me when you've seen the success that LSU is having with Coach O, and he wasn't your your Lane Kiffin, he wasn't your Mike Leach guy. Yeah, so I love him as a person. How's Mike Leach working out for everybody? Like, how is he working out? Because that is not working out very well. If you ask me, not working out at all. And now, as a matter of fact, okay, I'm going to play this for you as we speak because Nick Saban just had his press conference a few seconds ago. Here is what Coach Saban said uh, about Trey Saunders and the accident that he had. This is often a big game for us. LSU game is always a big game. It's turned into kind of a rivalry game uh, because of the success of the two programs and uh, I don't think this year is really any different, regardless of record. Uh, LSU has a lot of really, really good players. Um, they have a lot of talent on their team. Um, and, you know, these guys are very capable of being one of the best teams in the country uh, because of the talent that they have. And uh, I think our players really need to respect that and make sure that we go into this game paying great attention to detail in terms of uh, playing with more discipline, uh, and being able to um, execute uh, the way we need to execute to play against uh, these kinds of football players. Um, you know, LSU has uh, really good players on offense. I mean, they've got some really good receivers, uh, two really good running backs. I know they had a lot of changes in the offensive line, but those guys have improved and are playing extremely well. Uh, their tight end, um, Eric Gil- Gilbert, is probably as fine a young tight end as we've seen for a long, long time. Terrence Marshall is a mismatch issue um, at wide receiver. Uh, You know, the quarterback is questionable and has been hurt, which I think has hurt them, you know, playing a a less experienced guy, but very talented guy. Um, So we're going to see talented players regardless, and we're going to have to play extremely well. You know, defensively, uh, I know that – this you know, is they've, they've scored a lot of points on offense, 
Uh, and defensively, they've got some really, really talented players, very talented guys in secondary, very athletic, athletic up front, uh, create a lot of negative plays. So um, they're always good on special teams. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, this team, the players on their team, uh, and what they're capable of. Um, so our players need to be very much ready for a very tough physical game that's going to take uh, great execution to be able to be successful in. Uh, just to give you an update on Trey Sanders, you know, he underwent successful surgery. You know, our doctors and medical staff, we've got him at UAB, uh, have been on top of this. Uh, we expect him to have a full recovery, uh, but I do think that he is probably out indefinitely. Uh, there's no real timetable, but um, he's going to be okay, but pretty serious stuff. All right, that was the opening statement from Nick Saban about Trey Sanders. He's already had surgery. He's at UAB. And so the former IMG Academy five-star player is already going. Sipsy, hey, welcome in, man. Or Sippy, I apologize. Uh, he says, first time listener. He came over here from YouTube. We appreciate it, man. We absolutely do. And, and hopping on, give us a like, give us a share, do everything uh, that that would help us out. And obviously let us know how we can help you out as well. Now, that is – he asked for any thoughts on, on the next head coach for Southern Miss. Okay, Sipsy, let me ask you a question, okay? Because why, to me, and, and I'm, I'm wondering about this, why is it that you get a head coach and then he then leaves like literally that very – like the very next day or something like that, Scotty Walden – and then heads to Austin P. Like to me, why would you leave Southern Miss to go to Austin P? I used to have a, a listener all the time, and Dennis, if you're watching right now, buddy, I, this is right up your alley. This is it. And he would always want to come in with a lot of different head coaches and and a lot of teams that are are doing better than what we thought they would be, or something along those lines, where you're talking about these great football teams. Now, the reason I say it is, and I want to make sure that I get the these coaches right, because if you're Southern Miss, you're in a bad situation. You're a matter of fact, you're in a horrible situation. And I don't mean horrible because you're Southern Miss, but what I mean by horrible is I mean like you're kind of in a scenario right now where you're losing money because of COVID. And now you've got to pay a coach. My very first thought, in all seriousness, my first thought would be, yeah, see, that's what he says. He says, we're on our third head coach. Scotty was an interim that was not going to be chosen for the job. So that's the reason why he left. This name, if you are an SEC fan, then you're going to know this name. The first person I think of when I think of a possibility for Southern Miss would be Rhett Lashley. And he's only been at Miami for one year. I know he's got De'Eric King and that offense is, is going crazy with him. I know people for the longest time wanted to bash him because of him being Gus Malzahn's disciple. But Rhett Lashley has shown from going from Connecticut to SMU, now at Miami, he continues to get better as a head coach. And... Now it makes me wonder if because of how good Miami is, and Miami's now number nine in the country, and yes, we knew that they were going to be much better with De'Eric King, is he going to want to take that step to being a head coach, or does he want to stay at Miami 
for a year or two. Now, the problem with him staying in Miami for a year or two will be what happens if next season his offense and the offensive production goes down because obviously they don't have Derek King. That's where you've got to ask some questions when it comes to what do you want to do? Is Hugh Freeze going to come from Southern Miss or go to Southern Miss from Liberty? No, because Hugh Freeze, his next job is going to be a power five job. Is somebody like a Luke Fickle that's at Cincinnati, is that going to be it? No. So what Southern Miss is going to want to do is they're going to want to find an offensive, a defensive coordinator, something along those lines that that maybe you would go for and wanting to become a new head coach. And here's the reason why I say it, because for me, I'm more of a I'm more of an offensive coordinator guy than what I would be. <laughs> I'm more of an offensive coordinator guy than I would be a defensive coordinator guy just because I don't believe that defensive coordinators win in the end. Uh your Nick Sabans are a little bit different. You're, you know, but Jeremy Pruitt, defensive coordinator. Tennessee wants him out as, as we're speaking right now. Sam Pittman was an offensive guy. So it makes me wonder. The other name, and the other name that could potentially do it, which I don't know why he would. There's two. There's two names that I could truly think of. The first one, Rich Rodriguez, who's the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss underneath, underneath Lane Kiffin. That's the first one. Depends on if he wants to get back into coaching. He's already in the state of Mississippi. He's already recruiting inside of the the Mississippi footprint, which is very different than anywhere else in the SEC because you can go get a ton of JUCO players if you want to, and those JUCO players can start automatically for you, and they're not leaving far from where they've been because for a lot of people that don't know outside of the last chance you – Mississippi and Kansas are your two humongous JUCO recruiting grounds. And so those are the reasons. Honestly, that's the reason why I'm kind of shocked Les Miles hasn't been more successful is bringing those in would be bringing in the, the JUCO players to be more successful at Kansas. Rich Rodriguez is one. The other one may be Kendall Bryles, which is, which is your offensive coordinator at Florida State. Those are probably the two that I would be looking at right now that I would really seriously think about when it comes to your your offensive coordinators because Rhett Lashley, who's having a tremendously successful year, I don't know if you want to go like your Tom Manning route or something like from them from Iowa State because I really believe that I'm not really 100% sold on him, and I really think that he might stay when Matt Campbell goes somewhere else uh, after he leaves Iowa State. The Rich Rod idea is probably, to me, the smartest, maybe your smartest and easiest route, mainly because I don't think that he still would want a lot of money. I don't think you have to pay him in the millions and millions of dollars that would take like you would somebody else. Plus, he's kind of an established head coach, so he would, he, it wouldn't be his first time. You're navigating through a CUSA that has some obviously good teams, your Marshalls, your UABs, and those types of football teams. But you kind of want to grow, and Southern Miss has that potential because Mississippi State and Ole Miss aren't that good right now. So you really could see some growth in Southern Miss football. Plus, they have a more historic 
advantage. What you really need is Southern Miss needs to continue to pick up these big Power 5 games once we get back into normal scheduling. That's the other part. I know I kind of danced around it for a second because I want to make sure I got the names right. And But it was it, Rich Rodriguez, Rhett Lashley. Those would be my two that I would potentially consider, mainly because with Rhett, I think that he's going to want to stay at Miami for another year or two to prove it. And Sippy is right. You you need they've been a stepping stone for a lot of coaches, and Southern Miss has done a great job in that. And if you can win 10, 11 football games at Southern Miss, you're going to get you a solid Power Five job. I don't know if you're going to get you a a humongous like Texas type job, but we've obviously known that you can get a North Carolina because we've seen a Southern Miss coach go and do that. So it was regardless of how successful it was. But Southern Miss is a good stepping stone. And you're looking at the CUSA with how Marshall's been playing. UAB's been playing very well. Southern Miss can be another really good university if you get yourself somebody that wants to come in and stay a couple of years. Sadly, I mean, you know this. You're not gonna you're only gonna stay at Southern Miss for two or three years for a couple of reasons. Either you're losing and you're gonna get fired. Or you're winning and you're going to get hired somewhere else. Like it's not going to be one of those places where we're going to want a new. We're going to stay there for 15 years. You know, Mac Brown didn't want to be at North Carolina, and they're going to get lucky because that's probably going to be the last place that he coaches. So, Sippy, I I appreciate that question, man, because you're one of the very few schools in college football. I really kind of think are going to get these new jobs, or there's going to be a lot of jobs being open. Because everybody's losing money. I mean, you guys have to get a new head coach because you don't have one. There's a lot of places that uh, Tennessee's talking about wanting to fire Jeremy Pruitt, and and you've heard of of all these other universities. I mean, Florida State's already started to complain to an extent. Texas has complained about Tom Herman. Guys, this money isn't there. Like the, the money is not there to fly around and to just hand out the way that we obviously do. So. You know, I really think that this is going to be a year that unless you absolutely have to find a head coach, a lot of coaches are going to get a pass. You know, Auburn fans wanted to bust, you know, kill Malzahn, and Malzahn now is starting to win, and they don't know. Sippy asked about Hugh Freeze to Tennessee. Hugh Freeze, all right, from a personal standpoint, I think Hugh Freeze is gutter trash. This is me personally, okay? Just because I know people that were around him uh, during his time at Ole Miss and everything that he did, they don't speak well of him. And and I'm talking about a lot of big name people that that have been around him that I've talked to, and they they bash him. And uh, but as far as a football coach, he would be tremendous at Tennessee. I really really think he would. I think that look Tennessee's biggest problem. This is Tennessee's biggest problem. They do not believe in Garantano. I don't believe in Garantano. You shouldn't believe in Garantano. Nobody should believe in Garantano. But you have a Homer Bailey who really shouldn't be named Homer Bailey and be playing football. They don't even want him passing the ball because he comes in and hands it off until he absolutely has to pass. And, And so Tennessee, the moment they got down, they weren't built to get back up. Garantano gets injured. And most likely, he's probably going to be out for a week or two. And so now you've got to go to somebody else. But who are you going to believe in? 
And and with Tennessee and their schedule, like you guys have some problems, man. Like seriously, if you're Tennessee and you've just lost to Arkansas, which really in all honesty, you shouldn't have lost to, but you lose to Arkansas and now you have to go through the remainder of your SEC schedule and your one quarterback that you actually believe in is injured, you are in big trouble. And Jeremy Pruitt, as great as he has been at recruiting a lot of positions, he has not recruited the quarterback position very well. And so they now are in a scenario where they've got to believe in, in Homer Bailey or whoever, when you play Texas A&M this week, you now have to travel to Auburn. Yes, you get Vanderbilt. No, Nobody cares. But then you finish your season up against, against Florida. Those are potentially three more losses. You're talking about at the best right now, you're going to be three and seven at the end of this football season. Tennessee football should not be that way, especially when you're talking about being so close to the Georgia line and you should be able to recruit the state of Georgia better than what you are. Jeremy Pruitt can come in here. Look at what Dabo Sweeney's doing. Like, I know it's Dabo. And, and so that's the reason why, like, with Dabo, he's went into Georgia and recruited these players to South Carolina because they're so close to the state line. He's went into Alabama and recruited these players so close to, to go to Clemson that's only three and four hours away. Justin Ross is a perfect example. He's at Phoenix City. If you don't know, Phoenix City is like all of 30 minutes away from Auburn. He chose to go to Clemson, and look at how great he's played since he's went to Clemson. Got himself some rings. Like, you've got to be able to recruit Georgia. You have to be able to recruit South Alabama, the Mobile area, the Florida state like that. You've got to recruit those. Jeremy Pruitt, bro, that goes back. Defensive-minded coaches I'm not a fan of. Jeremy Pruitt's one. Derek Mason is one of those. Like, you look at your offensive-minded coaches, those are the ones that are continuing to be successful. Kirby Smart, the reason he's struggling is because he focused so much on having the SEC's best defense, he doesn't even think about having a god-awful offense. Stetson Bennett, man, you're good, but you're not great. Dan Mullen, offensive coordinator. Malzahn, offensive coordinator. Nick Saban is going to be your, your, your trump card for a lot of this. Coach O, offensive and defensive line, so he's kind of on both. He's kind of like your special teams guy. I mean, you know... So you can go around and look at these. You got to get you an offensive-minded guy. If you freeze, goes to Tennessee. Look, he was smart enough to bring in Malik Willis, who was an Auburn quarterback. He lets him be himself, and he has a very simplified offense. He gives Malik the ability to make a lot of different changes at the offensive line, and that's the reason why you're seeing him play this well. Malik Willis was a very good quarterback at Auburn. It was just he got put behind Bo Nix. And he got put behind Jarrett Stidham. And he, I mean, he just kept getting put behind these quarterbacks. There was no way he was ever going to be successful, so he had to get out. He goes to Liberty now, and that's the best decision they've ever made. They were down to Virginia Tech and were able to come back. So there's decisions that you need to make if you are a coach. If you're a university, go offense. Rich Rod is an offensive coach. Look at how great. Look, many people are going to say that's Lane Kiffin's offense. Yes, Rich Rod's the offensive coordinator. He's the one helping put up the 600 yards. Go for the offensive guy. All right, that does it. 
for today. I've got to make my way out. I've got to get ready for some high school basketball that's going on in the state of Alabama. Make sure that you follow us on KCPN. Sippy, I appreciate it, man. He says we've uh, we've won him over. We've gained a subscriber. Thank you so much, man. We really do appreciate that. Uh, we're going to be on every single Monday around noon. You can join us here for your lunch, whatever you want to do. Uh, follow us on KCPN because we've got tons of shows coming up. I will let you know now. River Region Wrestling is going to be Thursday night at six o'clock. Okay, normally it's at two. It's on Tuesday nights. We kind of have to bunt, uh, push it back uh, until Thursday because I just told you I have high school basketball tomorrow and uh, I've got to go get ready for some of that. So we're going to be doing that on Thursday on KCPN. Make sure that you follow us, KCP Network on a lot of places, KC Kansas City Podcast on Instagram. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, obviously Facebook as well. You'll get that notification the very moment that we go live. Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. For joining us, we will talk to you again next Monday here on We The Fans. Have a great day. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.